Orioles pitchers and catchers reported to Sarasota yesterday. And, well, besides the players legitimately showing up, nothing really happened. So instead of talking about that, we'll open up the mailbag coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening up the mailbag once again here on the podcast. Nine Orioles questions, all coming from you, the listeners. We're going to get to a multitude of different topics here on the second day of Pitchers and Catchers. Being in Sarasota, we'll talk about who the Orioles' offensive leaders in certain stats could be in 2023, what a timeline could look like for a guy like Heston Kerstad, who would be the O's clutch hitter late in games this season. And if you had to put together a lineup of all-time Orioles lefties, what would it look like? But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Free and available wherever you get your pods. And of course, we're here on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. We are so close to 2,000 subscribers once we get there. Going to do a lot of fun giveaways here on the pod, but you have to be subscribed on YouTube to be entered to win some cool Orioles gear. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page. Again, we are back here to five days a week, our first week back of pods Monday through Friday. It's going to go that way throughout this 2023 season. It's going to be fun here on the pod, so make sure you stick around. But let's jump into the mailbag here on a Thursday. Nine questions coming from you, the listeners, and let's start with a question from Stofi on Twitter who asks, who leads the Orioles in offensive war in 2023? Now, I guess you got to start with the projections because in terms of overall war projections, zips over at fan graphs done by a fellow Orioles fan, Dan Zimborski said Adley Rutschman will lead the Orioles in war and will be pretty comfortably a top 10 player in the American league when it comes to his value. But the interesting part was he had Gunnar Henderson second. I'm going to say that if we're just looking at offensive value, I'm going to take Gunnar Henderson. I think his 2023 season is going to be that good. Now, he's going to have a a couple of dips because it'll be his first full season in the major leagues. But I'm going to take Gunnar Henderson here. I think Ryan Mountcastle and Adley Rutschman will be close behind him for offensive war. But give me Gunnar. I think Adley will lead the team in war just because of how good he is defensively as a catcher with pitch framing. All he does for the team, he'll be number one in that category overall. But if we're just talking offense, I think Gunnar Henderson can have a season where he's hitting 280. He's pushing 30 home runs. He's stealing 10, 15 bases. You know, he's hitting doubles. He's hitting triples. He's getting on base. He's drawing walks. It's going to be a fun year for Gunnar Henderson. Second question comes from Cam on Twitter who asks, besides Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, what other prospect do you think can reach all-star level? Now, I think there's two, not easy answers because you never know when guys are in the minor leagues, but two answers everybody would go to. Number one is Jackson Holiday. I think that is my number one answer here. Of course, the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft out of high school. I mean, he's already a top 20 prospect in baseball pretty much across the board, and he's 19 years old. 
if all goes well, I mean, he could get to double A at 19 by the end of this season and, and be in the big leagues by, I mean, at the latest to start the 2025 season and potentially earlier. I think he's got all the tools with the plate discipline, with the swing, with the power, with the defense to be an all-star in the big leagues. Now, the other answer people would give would obviously be Grayson Rodriguez. He is, you know, right now ranked the number two pitching prospect in all of baseball, a top 10 prospect many places. But the reason I would go with Holiday over Grayrod if I had to, you know, my life was on the line, I had to pick one of them that will make an MLB All-Star game. There's just so much variance with pitchers year to year, also with injury risk as well. You know, Grayson missed a, a good chunk of time last season because of an injury, and he's going to be in the big leagues this year. I don't know if he's going to be an all-star in his first big league season. I think he'll be good. But honestly, I think Jackson Holiday at this point, even though he's 19, might be more of the sure thing just because he's a hitter versus a pitcher. If I'm digging a little deeper into the Oriole prospect list, you know, not going with Holiday and, and Grayson, who are the, you know, number two and three prospects in the system, and, and I think most people think are going to be legitimate all-stars. If I go down the list a little bit, I just, I really like Dylan Beavers. I really, really like Dylan Beavers. I think that, I don't know, that swing is funky, but it works. And I think the Orioles won't completely overhaul it, but they're going to make adjustments. They already have, and they'll make tweaks as he moves up the minor leagues. But he already got to Aberdeen after being drafted in 2022. He's going to get to double A this year. He might even get to triple A. And I just think he's a, a, a toolsy outfielder that, that could definitely make an all-star game. Our third mailbag question of the day comes from Austin on Twitter, who asks, how realistic is a Heston Kerstad MLB debut this season? Now, obviously, this question comes from Kerstad's comments at the Birdland Caravan a couple weeks ago, where he said, you know, his goal is to get to the big leagues by the end of the 2023 season. And you'd like to hear goals like that from a guy who's who's gone through so much since the Orioles drafted him second overall in 2020 out of Arkansas. But if we put a percentage chance on it, I'd give it like 1%, maybe less than 1%. I mean, you got to remember, even though he is older, a college draft pick in 2020, he's never even played a game at double A. I mean, because he couldn't get his minor leagues play started until last year, and he missed three months because of that hamstring injury. He played at Delmarva and Aberdeen, and, and that was kind of it for Kerstad last year for good reason. He's most likely going to start the year in double-A Bowie, and the O's are going to give him a good amount of at-bats there. And even if he crushes Bowie, he's then going to have to go to Norfolk. And as we've seen from the Orioles, they want to give guys a good chunk of plate appearances at both Bowie and Norfolk before they even think about promoting them to the big leagues. And even if he gets those plate appearances and does well by the end of this season, when you look at the Orioles outfield, I mean, you already have Mullins, Hayes, Santander, Stowers, and McKenna in the big leagues. And obviously, Colton Kowser is well ahead of, of Kerstad in terms of highly ranked outfielders to get to the big leagues. I mean, Kowser has a legitimate, serious chance, and he probably will get to the majors with the Orioles this year. But once he does, unless the Orioles have multiple injuries and trades, there's just even going to be no space for Kerstad. So could he be a 2024 big leaguer? Absolutely. And I hope he is for the Orioles. But I just, between the lack of experience he's had in the high minors and the guys in front of him, I see almost no chance for Heston Kerstad to, to get to the big leagues in 2023. That doesn't mean he'll have a bad year. It's just, it's going to be a tough path, and that's okay with what he's been through. Just give me a good season in the high minors, and let's set our sights on 2024 for Kerstad in Baltimore. We got six more questions to get to here on a mailbag episode. Coming up next, we'll talk about some non-roster, non-roster, I should say, invitees that are a little bit 
intriguing. We'll talk about if you could change an Orioles player's attributes, how would you change it? And then uh, who will replace Rugnet Odor as the Orioles clutch hitter in 2023? But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're at the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's super safe, it's super secure, and it's super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores to threes drained. And when you're looking at NBA bets, you know, I'm not the biggest NBA fan, so I'm not looking as much at like these day-to-day bets for the NBA when I go on the FanDuel app. What I am looking at is the futures. And right now, I mean, I know everybody, everybody is on the Phoenix Suns. They traded for Kevin Durant. They pair him up with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Probably everybody is putting money on the Suns to come out of the West. So maybe you can get some good value from some other teams now in the Western Conference. Maybe like the Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic on that team could get some pretty good value right now. And at FanDuel, they even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay as well. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we're back here on a mailbag episode of the podcast. Six more questions to get to all from you, the listeners. Thank you so much for submitting your questions here to the podcast. Our next question comes from one of our favorite listeners and uh, good Orioles follow on Twitter as well. Vivek, who asks, who is the most intriguing non-roster invitee coming to camp for the Orioles. So a couple weeks ago, the Orioles released that list of non-roster invitees. And I talked about the list a, a bit last week on the podcast, but I'll split this up into two categories. I'll split it up into legitimate prospect and then like, you know, fringe guy slash minor league signing slash waiver claim guy. So for prospect, when I talked about it last week, I mean, I said Jackson Holiday because it's just awesome that Jackson Holiday is going to be in big league camp. But besides that, if we're talking about more of a guy that definitely has a chance to play for the Orioles in 2023, I think I'd go with Connor Norby because... With all the hype around Jordan Westberg, you know, minor league player of the year, had a long time in AAA, he's close to the big leagues, and then Joey Ortiz having that crazy second half, getting AAA, hitting well, and being added to the 40-man roster this offseason, I think the other infielder who's going to be in the starting infield in AAA Norfolk to begin the year, Connor Norby, is a little bit under the radar. I mean, all this guy has done is hit, both in college at ECU and since the Orioles took him In the second round of the draft in 2021, he just hits and hits and hits. He's hit for more power now since he got to the pros. The O's have gotten that out of him. I mean, he had a crazy stretch right when he got called up to AAA Norfolk last season. Now, again, there's no way he's on the opening day roster for the Orioles, and he's going to spend still a good amount of time in Norfolk just because he's an infielder. He's a little less versatile. The O's have tried him in left field, so maybe he'll be like a second base slash left fielder, which give him a little better chance to get to the big leagues soon, but... I want to see, as this guy has risen so quickly through the system and is hit at every level, how he does at this point, less than two years removed from being drafted, against legitimate big league pitching, which he'll see from time to time throughout his time in big league spring training. It's going to be really interesting to watch. And then the other guy I want to see is Franchi Cordero. I think, as I talked about 
on yesterday's episode predicting the opening day roster. I think he's got somewhat of an outside chance of, of breaking camp with the Orioles, especially if there's an injury or if the O's just really want to get another left-handed power bat in there that can play first base. I think Cortero might be the best option of the guys in camp. And we know what's happened with him over the years when he's been in the big leagues. He has just, I mean, historic swing and miss numbers. But when he connects with the ball, he hits it harder than and farther than pretty much any player in baseball at times. So you get it up into that wind at Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota. He connects with some balls. I don't think he's going to make the team. We'll see if he ends up in AAA with the O's or, or has some sort of opt-out that makes him a free agent after spring training. But I just want to see him connect with some balls. And, you know, the, the guys over at BSL on The Verge had a good point on their podcast this week saying... You know, if anybody could get hot and force himself onto that last spot in the roster, it could be Cordero. Because if for two weeks he's just launching balls into the sky in Sarasota, it's going to be tough to keep him off the roster potentially. And so he could sneak his way on, but I'm interested to see him in spring training. Next question comes from Jonah on Twitter who asks, if you could edit any Orioles attribute to 99, I guess video game style here, what would it be? And Jonah actually gave two answers when he submitted the question. And I went through the team, and I kept coming back to his two answers because I honestly do think the two players that Jonah mentioned at the end of his question are probably the best two answers. So I I went with a pitcher and a hitter here. I think the pitcher is D.L. Hall, and I would put his command up to 99. I think anybody would do this for the Orioles because when you look at Hall's stuff, It's probably the best stuff on this Orioles pitching staff right now. You got a left-hander throwing mid to high 90s from the left side with a wipeout slider and a really good changeup against right-handers. It's a legitimate dominant three-pitch mix with a curveball mixed in there for a fourth pitch as well. But as we know, throughout his time in the minors, the command has been an issue, and it's what, along with a few injuries here and there, has has held him back a little bit. You know, he's still a a top 100 prospect most places, and I hope he's going to be on the O's opening day roster this year in whatever role it may be, but it's held him back a little bit, that command, we all know. If he had 99 command with that stuff, I mean, he'd be one of the best pitchers in baseball. It would be insane, so give me D.L. Hall with the 99 command. And then for a hitter, I'd give Ryan Mountcastle 99 plate discipline. I mean, we've talked about how unlucky Ryan Mountcastle's 2022 season was. He hit the ball harder than basically any other Oriole and just continued to hit the ball right at guys. I mean, all of his expected stats from StatCast were well above what his actual stats are, which means he's probably going to have a resurgent year in 2023, and I'm excited to see it from Ryan Mountcastle. But the thing is, even if you know those balls start falling in, which they should, he still does have a chase problem. Not as much of a swing and miss problem. It's more of a swing and miss problem because he chases too many breaking balls out of the zone, especially from right-handers, sliders that just run down and away, and he just can't lay off. If Mountcastle could even become average in plate discipline and get a little luckier, he'd be an all-star. But if he could go to 99 plate discipline, this is a legitimate stud every single year. And so, yeah, I'd like to give both those guys, Hall and Mountcastle, those uh, 99 ratings. Next question comes from Ben on Twitter who asks, who will replace Rugnet Odor as, quote, the clutch god for the Orioles in 2023? Now, if you watch the O's in 2022, you experienced the roller coaster of Rugnet Odor. There were a lot of ups. There were a lot of downs. And it was it was an interesting season to have him be kind of the main second baseman throughout that, uh, that breakout year for the O's. And Odor, still a free agent. Really haven't heard any rumors about him signing anywhere. I'm, I'm actually unsure if he'll even get a major league deal at this point. I mean, he's still 29, but I don't know if somebody's going to bring him in. At least on a minor league deal, they will, but we'll see. 
But Renato Doerr, despite the general struggles at the plate, he had over an 1,000 OPS, 1,003 OPS, and a 181 WRC+. Plus, that He was 81% better than a league average hitter in what Fangraphs calls high-leverage situations. He had 59 plate appearances last season in those high-leverage situations with an OPS over 1,000. We know he had multiple walk-offs, a couple of huge game-tying home runs. He was great in those spots, but even though Odor is still a free agent, I think we're pretty much all in agreement the Orioles are not bringing him back at this point, especially after signing Adam Frazier. So when you look at the Orioles, or the other Orioles in the clutch, it was actually really interesting last, last year, because... If you think about just the aura of the team, you remember some big comebacks the Orioles had, some big hits the O's had in the ninth inning. But what's actually interesting is the Orioles were one of the worst teams in baseball in high leverage spots. The Fangraphs high leverage index is, you know, seventh, eighth, or ninth innings or extra innings when the game is is either tied or, you know, the tying runs at the plate, you know, big spots in the game. The Orioles were 28th in baseball out of 30 teams in their high leverage offense. The O's had a 77 WRC plus, 23% below league average in high leverage in 2022. Again, that was 28th in baseball. I mean, they won 83 games, which is awesome, but even though it felt like they had some cool moments in the ninth inning, in general, their hitting in high leverage was one of the things that kind of held them back from making the postseason last year, which was kind of interesting to look at. But Odor was really one of only two guys who got it done in these spots. It's kind of easy to guess the other one. Yeah, it's Adley Rutschman, who had a 134 WRC plus in 39 plate appearances in high leverage spots last year. Everybody else was, by WRC plus standards, below league average, and some of them well below league average in those high leverage spots. So, honestly, it's hard to pick one of the returning Orioles to be the new clutch guy because they were all really so bad at it in 2022. Now, it doesn't mean some of them couldn't turn it around and have the clutch gene this year. And it's hard to really quantify clutch. It's something that's more random than anything just when you're getting the hits. But what I will say is, in terms of new guys, Adam Frazier did have the clutch gene for the Mariners last year. We've talked about it. Frazier had, in general, a rough offensive season in Seattle. But he still was the starter almost every day and was in those lineups in the postseason for the Mariners. And he had one of the biggest hits in Mariners recent memory in that wildcard series against Toronto and that huge comeback in game two, Frazier had the double in the top of the ninth inning that put Seattle on top and they would go on to win the game in the bottom of the ninth and advance. But it wasn't just that one moment. Adam Frazier in high leverage spots, in 73 plate appearances, 14 more than Odor had in those spots, had a 129 WRC+. plus. Now, that's not Odor numbers, and it was only an 805 OPS because Frazier just generally doesn't hit for nearly as much power as a guy like Odor does when he's at his best. But Adam Frazier, he got, they were a lot of them were singles, let's be honest, and, and at most doubles, but he got some big hits in some big spots for the Mariners. I think, in general, his offense will be better this year with the O's. And maybe he becomes that clutch guy this season. We got three more questions to get to here on this mailbag episode. Talking about Gunnar Henderson's power surge potentially this season. Uh, A cool question for me as a sports broadcaster. And then looking at the all-time best left-handed hitters in Orioles history. That's coming up next. 
So we're back here on a mailbag edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast, answering your Orioles questions. If you submitted a mailbag question and you did not get it answered on today's episode, that's okay. I keep uh, a rolling list of the mailbag questions. We'll do plenty of mailbags throughout the offseason and during the season as well here on the pod. And you will hear your question answered on a future mailbag episode. If you'd like to submit a question for a future mailbag, you can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at LockedOnOrioles. The DMs are open as well. You can leave a mailbag question in the comment section on any of our videos on the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe there. And then on Apple Podcasts, if you do leave us a five-star rating, you can leave a review as well, and you can put that mailbag question in the review section on iTunes and Apple Pods, and it will be answered on a future mailbag episode. But I got three more questions to get to here on this mailbag episode, and the next one comes from Michael via YouTube in the YouTube comments who asks, can Gunnar Henderson lead the Orioles in home runs this season? This does go back to the first question I answered about, you know, I answered Gunnar Henderson as the leader in offensive war. And if he does that, he probably means he leads the team in home runs. So I don't know if he will, but I think he certainly can this season. Among the projections from Zips over at Fangraphs, they project Gunnar to finish third on the Orioles in home runs. They have both Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander hitting 29 homers to tie for the team lead. And then they have Gunnar Henderson hitting 24 homers to finish in third with Hayes at 19, Stowers at 19, and Adley at 18 coming up behind them. Again, you know, home run numbers aren't going to be as big at Camden Yards now with the wall being moved back in left field. But with Gunnar being a left-handed hitter, wall's still the same out there, and there's still a good chance to hit some homers. I do think that projection is around right. You know, I think he's going to hit somewhere around 25 home runs this year. But if he gets into more of a power surge and he gets close to 30, he could certainly lead the team. I mean, again, the projected leader is 29. Santander led the team with 33 last season. Of course, he'll be back in the lineup. But he can do it. He, he, he certainly could. Next question comes from Cousin Smith on Twitter. This is a good one. He's always got good questions. If you were hired to do play-by-play for the Orioles, who would be your analyst? This was a tough question, and I came up with three names. One, a guy who's already in the job, who I'd love to keep around. One who is doing something tangentially related to the job, and I think would be good at it. And one just kind of former Oriole from when I was growing up watching the O's that's that's kind of out of left field. So I'll start with Ben McDonald. I think if I had to pick one you know, recent Orioles analyst to do the games with, I'd do him with Ben McDonald. He's got such a good rapport with Kevin Brown in the booth. He's hilarious. He breaks down pitching well. He knows the game super well. He does college baseball games as well and is great on those broadcasts. Ben McDonald is a really, really good baseball broadcaster. We're lucky to have him, and I would love to do a game with Ben. I also, if we look at the... Um, Things that transpired earlier this offseason on Twitter. Don't think Jim Palmer would want to do a game with me. So makes Ben McDonald the easier answer. My next answer would be Adam Jones. I mean, my favorite Oreo growing up would make it an easy answer. Plus, you know, he's got the Adam Jones podcast now over at the Baltimore Banner. So he's got, you know, a good amount of, of media experience and, and talks a lot of Orioles, a lot of baseball on that podcast. And I think he'd just be amazing to be in the booth just with the Orioles history. He knows, you know, the the distinct personality he has and, and everything he's brought with him from playing the game, I think would be awesome. And then my guy from out of left field, just a dude who was really quirky when he played for the O's, was always good with the media and uh, just kind of a weird guy. TJ McFarland, I think he'd be a, a weird, interesting guy to have in the booth. Maybe the shtick would wear off and he wouldn't be as much of a, a good, polished analyst to have next to you, but could be an interesting name to say some interesting things uh, next to you 
in the booth. And then the final question is a good one as well. Coming from Mako on Twitter who asks, what is the lineup of Orioles all-time left-handed players? Now, I didn't do pitchers. I just did a one through nine of left-handed hitters. And I did purely left-handed hitters. Didn't include any switch hitters. This is just left-handed hitters. Now, I went through position by position and basically went and found the best player at every position who was left-handed. I moved some guys around defensively just to make this work. But it was tough for some of them. So here's what my lineup looks like. Leading off and playing left field, I have Brady Anderson. Obviously, had the 50-homer season in 97. Was a good player. Hitting second, playing right field, is Nick Markakis. You can't have anybody more steady in that number two spot. Hitting third and playing first base is Boog Powell, you know, one of the greatest, you could argue the greatest left-handed hitter in Orioles history. You got to have him in the middle of the order. Hitting fourth and DHing, Rafael Palmero, obviously had some great years in, in two stints with the O's and, and put up some great numbers in his career. Hitting fifth and playing third base, although he didn't play a lot of third base with the Orioles, it was a position he played in the big league, so I'm going to fudge the numbers a little bit and put B.J. Serhoff at third base, my first favorite Oriole growing up. Hitting sixth and playing shortstop, this is going to be a little surprising, but not a, basically none of the good shortstops in Orioles history, whether it was Cal Ripken or whether it was J.J. Hardy or whether we're going back to like Mark Belanger or Luis Aparicio or any of these guys, all of them hit right-handed. So I'm putting Gunnar Henderson in here. He's playing shortstop. He's hitting six for this team. Yeah, he's the young kid. He's unproven, but I think he's going to be really good. Hitting seventh, I'll play Al Brumbry in center field for me. Solid left-handed hitter. Elrod Hendricks, you know, one of the great all-time Orioles, both the player and, and as a coach as well. He'll be my catcher batting eighth. And then I got to say, there was basically nothing in terms of second baseman. You think back to the second baseman of Orioles history, essentially none of them were pure left-handed hitters. So I didn't do as much research here because I was looking back and I was just like, none of these guys are, are especially great. So I went with the best, most recent left-handed hitting second baseman I could think of. And no, I did not go with Renato Dorr. Hitting ninth and playing second base will be Ryan Flaherty on my all-left-handed hitting team because he can be a player coach and he had some cool moments and Buck Showalter loved him and Orioles fans love him and he was a left-handed hitter. So there you go. That is my lineup. But that'll do it for today's mailbag episode. Again, we thank you so much for submitting your questions for the mailbag. Make sure to submit more for future mailbag episodes. We'll be back for one more episode of the pod tomorrow. Taking a look at uh, some news and notes from spring training. We didn't get much from Wednesday, but it looks like workouts will really start on Thursday. We'll start to get some info on some of these guys. And we'll break it all down to finish off the week on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, and your day.